Not that I would know from personal experience, but I hear reading while driving is kind of dangerous. And that's why I love using Audible so much. So I thought it would be great to bring that value to you. All you have to do is go to the link in the show notes for Audible, sign up for the free trial. You get a book for the free. Just for signing up, no commitments or anything like that. I thought that would just be cool. Tell them Austin sent you. And shout out to my man, Cafo the Sensei, for making this beautiful song called I Could Feel It In My Spirit off of his album, Today I Found Peace. Are you tired of waking up with those lines in your forehead from a poorly made do-rag? Are you tired of going to sleep with a bonnet on only to wake up, only to see that it's jump ship overnight, leaving your hair unprotected to the elements? Are you still tying knots in your do-rag like our grandfathers did back in 1960? If you answered yes to any of these questions, don't worry, I got the answer for you. Royalty Headwear. They have the patented one-strap do-rag proven not to leave any of those worry marks in your head and a bonnet that will stick with you through thick and thin. Do yourself a favor, follow the link in the show notes and start treating yourself better. Let them care for your crown and let me maximize your mental. It's simple, guys. This episode is brought to you by Royalty Headwear. Yo, I'm Austin Sanders, and this is Polyonymous Podcast. Each episode, I'll be talking about a book that I really like and how it influenced my thoughts. Let me warn you now, with each book, I'm going to get a little smarter. And you are too, because that's just how reading works. Before I get into any of these keys... I just think it's very important to tell you, the listener, that I just started wearing pinky rings. And, you know, this just seems like a very significant time in life, honestly. Like, I I, <laughs> I can't even explain it. Like, I, <laughs> I know it doesn't sound important. <laughs> but, yo, I got one on right now. Hey, I feel different. <laughs> I feel a shift. <laughs> Hey, no, don't, don't mind me. I'm, <laughs> we gonna get into it. <laughs> the first key we're talking about today is the key of health consciousness. And Basically, it's about how Freeway Rick Ross is vegan and the veganism helps him to move around like a 25 year old, even though at the time he was like 50. And, you know, that's all well and dandy. All of us know that we need to be healthy or we know the benefits of being healthy. But I mean, either you're going to do that or you're not. The thing that really made this like stick in my mind was the fact that I've been hearing so many people going vegan. And I understand it's a pretty trendy thing, but I do remember maybe a few years ago, hearing his brother with a Jamaican accent talking about karma. And he was just talking about how could you wish for good karma if everything that you consume is death? And I thought about that and I was like, huh, I've never thought of it in that manner before. I never really thought about the things that you eat 
also going into your karma, but why wouldn't it? Right? I mean, suffering is suffering, pain is pain, killing is killing. Not to bum anybody out. I just, you know, it just it just be on my mind a little bit. That's really what made this uh chapter stick out to me. Plus certain people, just the way they speak about it makes it it just makes it seem like, hmm, there might be something to that. Like I heard Kevin Gates talk about it, 19 Keys, Darren Grace, Money Man. Yo, all Money Man raps about, for the most part, is like a little bit of street stuff, veganism, doing shrooms, crypto, and numerology. But I just feel like these correlations gotta mean something. The third key to success mentioned in this book is being a man of the people. To frame this chapter, I remember them mentioning that Freeway Rick Ross was saying that he truly believed God had put him on the planet to supply people with cocaine. Like He felt like this was his life mission. I think that was a really good way to frame it, to let you know what happens when you're all into something, like when you have zero doubt about something. The next thing they were talking about was how freeway basically because you know when you think about somebody selling a whole bunch of crack in a community you think that they're consciously thinking i'm about to destroy this community but they went a different route with describing that path in here so they were saying that basically around you know the 60s 70s 80s it was still a decent amount of segregation going on even if it was like under the table and there might always be an economic segregation because people are pretty in the class and there's always different levels that exclude other people because exclusion does create value if you think about it. Cocaine, even today, cocaine is still seen as a wealthy drug. Pricing and the places that it's done because it's not the most affordable thing, right? It's just kind of like an understanding. I remember talking to my homie's dad, Mr. May. I know he said that he was about 14 when the Civil Rights Act came out. So the Civil Rights Act came out in 1964. He was 14. I don't feel like math in it, but you could do the math if you feel like it. He said when crack hit the scene in the 80s, he said it wasn't seen as like this huge drug that's gonna cripple the community. People saw it as discount cocaine. It was almost like access to a world that they felt they would never be able to get access to. And that's how Freeway Rick Ross viewed it. He felt that he was gonna be able to bring a whole different status of life to his people. One thing that ran through my mind when I read through this part of the book, it was cocaine customer service. You might be thinking, oh, so what do you mean by cocaine customer service? Well, I'm gonna tell you. So me, I, I'm, I, I listen to a lot of rap, right? I listen to a little bit less now. When I was coming up, I listened to a good amount of it. And a lot of these people were talking about selling drugs as a way to get out of their environments, but there were certain people that spoke about it in an entirely different light than others, right? Generally, you hear people talking about just, you know, selling whatever, getting whatever, not really caring about their customer base. It really doesn't matter. Like they kind of like have just abandoned all their morals and their morals within their morals. But there were certain people that spoke about it almost almost like it was a give and take, almost with a reverence for everyone. Like it was still with respect. And those people were 50 Cent, Kevin Gates, Jay-Z. I remember Kevin Gates was talking to Peter Rosenberg. And Peter was just talking about how the label was really excited about him. And he said, it seems like a lot of people are really excited about you as a person. Like you have this intangible quality where you're kind of like the people's champ. And Kevin, he was saying like, he feels that it's always the people that you don't see 
that are the most significant, the ones that people consider to be insignificant that are the most significant because he was like, I knew that these people that I was selling this stuff to, they were financing my escape from this terrible lifestyle. So you could tell that there was some respect there. He said this one thing and he said it with a smile too, because it seemed minor at first, but the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, that, that right there is a difference maker. He said, I take change. And what he meant was if somebody came to him with change, if they came with him with a, with a whole bunch of pennies, nickels, dimes, quarters, whatever, He'd take it. He said he wouldn't count the change, but he'd get him a little bit of crack. Just a little bit. Right? And he said, come to me when you got some more. He said sometimes he would just give it up for free. He described it as a micro dot. He said, I give you a little micro dot. Come back to me when you got something. It's customer service. I remember, and I'll talk about this specific point. I'll probably expound on this a little bit more in season two when I talk about books by people in rap. But in 50 Cent's book, I remember he was talking about the need to stay connected to your consumer base. And he said when he was in the streets, it was much easier because he said one thing that differentiated him from a lot of other people that was selling drugs was they didn't want to be close to the customers because he said people that were addicted to drugs are a lot of the time very unpredictable. But he said in that unpredictability, everybody still has patterns and everybody still is a person at the end of the day so he said that one thing that that really put him over the top was he would actually talk to the people he was selling these drugs to every so often he would say hey what do you look for in these products like what are things that make this stand out to you and he said he was surprised to see like they had a lot to say he was doing a lot of market research right and he said one thing he, he learned was sometimes they have different uh packaging sometimes they'll have packaging with blue tops red tops and he said those made a difference and they put different value to the different colors so he learned how to correspond those colors with whatever the people were looking for he said he did holiday deals he did bundles he found out when some of their birthdays were and he gave them deals on their birthdays that kind of stuff matters right that's customer service jay-z had a line in the song izzo right and he was saying if they were short on cheese i would work with them meaning the people he was selling these drugs to right these are the people that you work for each of these people i just mentioned are in a different stratosphere right now that's not a coincidence freeway rick ross is in a different stratosphere right now and then you when you look at these correlations, you can see how they matter and you can see how they show up as life goes on, right? And the biggest point of this chapter, I honestly thought it was brilliant because I've never thought of nothing like this before, but they brought up Henry Ford and Steve Jobs, right? Henry Ford made the Model T car, right? And at the time he made that car, automobiles were too expensive for working people to afford right they were only for a ball of dudes right so like if you weren't rich you ain't get to have no automobile but henry ford came along he introduced the assembly line to the automobile industry and it made the production like way faster you could make way more at a time so it became affordable to the working class people right so he got super duper rich because he made something that was unaffordable affordable to working class people. Next, they brought up Steve Jobs. Before, there were personal computers like laptops, desktops. Computers used to take up an entire room, right? These things used to be hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like only big corporations and the government 
had computers. They were the only people that could afford them. But when he made that personal computer that other people could use, everyday working people could afford it. So he got super rich. And like Henry Ford and Steve Jobs, Rick Ross made it so that this unaffordable drug, which was cocaine, became affordable to the people that thought they would never be able to get it. Right? And he got super rich. So they made this point in comparing Henry Ford, Steve Jobs, and Rick Ross to say that whenever somebody can take something that is out of reach of the working class and puts it within their reach, they are on the path to riches. Key number four is the key of creating a cold mental atmosphere. And then under that, they called it the snowman effect. So basically in this chapter, they were talking about adversity being in the mind. And they said adversity hits the mind like rain hitting the scalp, pretty much, right? So the way I thought about it, you know, I went bald one time. It was like, I, I cut all my hair off. Uh, I think it was the summer between my ninth grade and my 10th grade year in high school. And I cut it off because it was, man, it was super hot outside. And I said, yo, I need every advantage I could get to cool down. So I told the barber, I said, hey, bro, chop the top, bro. I'm trying to, I'm trying to be skint for a little bit. And he did. And I remember the first time it rained and I felt a raindrop on the bare skin of my head. I felt a chill go down my entire spine. It was so alarming. I've never felt that much cold on the top of my head like that before. You know, there's just something about rainwater hitting your head. No matter where you are, no matter when you are, it just makes you feel like I need to get out of this, right? Rain hitting your head or just cold water hitting your head when you are not expecting cold water to hit your head, it just induces a panic. And that's what I thought about when they likened adversity to rainwater. So the whole idea between being able to control the atmosphere in your mind is being able to turn the temperature down, not becoming a cold person so far as like emotionally and the way you treat others, but being able to slow the rain into snow. And what that is, is they call it a snowman effect because snow falls much, much slower than rain. And if it falls slower, you can think faster. And if you can think faster, you can find ways to make a snowman out of your snow and see the good in your bad. One example they used in the chapter that I thought really encompassed the whole chapter, it said positive thinking doesn't make good things happen. Positive thinking makes the things that happen to you good. I'm gonna say that again. Positive thinking doesn't make good things happen to you. Positive thinking makes the things that happen to you good. And I thought they ended the chapter off with like a perfect story to really put a bow on it. And it was the story of the Chinese farmer. And the story went like this. Once upon a time, there was a Chinese farmer and he had one horse. And one day that horse ran away. So the neighbors came over to see the Chinese farmer and they said, oh man, I heard your horse ran away. That, that's too bad. And the Chinese farmer said, oh, well, maybe. The next day, the horse came back with seven stray horses. And the neighbors saw that the Chinese farmer had a bunch of these horses now. And they came over and said, oh, I see that you got all these new horses. Like, that's great. And the Chinese farmer said, well, maybe. The next day, his son was trying to tame one of the untamed horses. So he tried to ride him. But since the horse was untamed, he kicked the son off and the son broke his leg. And the neighbors came back over and said, oh, we heard what happened to your son. 
That's so unfortunate. And the Chinese farmer said, hmm, maybe. A week after that, an officer came around recruiting young men for the war, like for the draft. He saw that the Chinese farmer's son had a broken leg, so he was unfit for war, so his son didn't have to go. And the neighbors came over and said, oh man, we heard your son didn't have to go to the war. Yo, that's fantastic. And the Chinese farmer said, hmm, maybe. And the whole point of this story is to say that the events that happen in the world are a part of such a complex string of events that there's no way we can tell what's positive, what's negative, what's the result of good fortune or what's the result of bad fortune. But one thing that we can do is control how we see it in our minds. And we can make anything work for our good if we control our mental altitude. Next week, we're going to cover keys five through eight. I'll see y'all then. This show was recorded and edited by me, Austin Sanders, the Oracle Orator, the Corduroy's Cavalier, the Epiphany Enabler, right here in Warner Robins, Georgia. You can follow the show at Polyonymous Pod, and don't even worry about it. I know it's a big word, but hold on, we're going to walk through this. So you take the word anonymous, you take off the A-N and replace it with poly. So P-O-L-Y-O-N-Y-M-O-U-S pod. And there you go. I want to give a special shout out to my brother, GFM Dutto, for providing the opening and closing songs used on this podcast. The opening song is called Grande, and the closing song is called Purpose. Both are on his latest album, Since Roosevelt, out everywhere you can listen to music. And I personally think you should listen to it, because Buddy be rapping his ass up. You can follow him on the socials at GFMCEO underscore Dutto. And that's D-U-T-T-O. If no one's told you already, let me be the first. At this very moment, you're already everything that you need to be. And I'm going to tell you, just like a Tribe Called Quest told me, stay based in them slates. And that means peace. See you later.